Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Strong comments there from Keyshawn in our first hour of the program because it's a lot more than just sports or the Lakers or Los Angeles putting Portland on the brink or LeBron having another virtuoso game in the playoffs through just three quarters. LeBron doesn't need 48 to make it happen. We're at the South Street Seaport Studios in New York. It's a beautiful Tuesday morning with Keyshawn Johnson, Jay Williams. I'm Zubin Mahenti. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. We are KJZ. All guests join us on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line, including... Booger McFarland, who will join us coming up at the bottom of the hour. He lives in Tampa. He's boots on the ground with the excitement surrounding Tom Brady and his first year with the Bucks. We'll get to him in just a little bit. Key, I know last night you probably sat down and it was about watching basketball and watching your Lakers. But then there was also something at this particular point up until the NBA season ends in the middle of October, whenever it is, it is going to be just as instructive to watch some of these post-game press conferences because this is bigger than basketball right now. Well, it truly is. I think when you just look at everything that we continuously have to deal with on a daily basis, um, a lot of people want, as they say, shut up and dribble, be quiet, don't talk about it, we want to hear sports. They that That's what they want, but that's not what they're going to get. Um, as I said early on when when we talked about the show and, and promoting the show and going to different affiliates across the country and having that conversation, what the show would be about. It's going to be about a lot of different things. And we're going to have to navigate through those different things, Jay Will, and we're going to talk about our community. I'm not going to run from it. I'm not going to just sit there and talk about the Lakers winning or the Bucks winning and the even score with Houston and, and OKC. No, we're going to talk about everything that's going on in our society because yeah. it's important. And those that don't want to listen to it, so be it. But I'm going to give it to you the way you're supposed to be. uh, I'm supposed to give it to you so you can hear that message loud and clear, which is we are sick and tired of watching people get gunned down in the streets, beat up, harassed, whatever it may be, black women and men, kids, uh, brown. It's just to the point where, you start to feel sick inside and scared all the way around. And I talked about it the last hour. At times, I get afraid of walking my dog in the streets because I don't know what could happen to me in the middle of the night with somebody saying that I may be breaking into a car, whatever excuse they want to use to get away with it. And you said last hour, I just want to give some context to it, you didn't always feel that way. No. If, if I'm your son, if I'm 18 years old, maybe that's always been part of my worldview. But at 48, you said it's only happened here in the last two or three years where that heightened sense has gotten to you. Can you kind of take us inside that? Well, it, it's because I think it, the, the worldview to a degree has changed over the last three or four years. And it has escalated. That's why when you talk about making different changes, yes, you got to police the police, police your police the police. But also it's important to get out and vote, not just from at the federal level, but also at the local level. Not just check the box, but really pay attention to it because voting is so important because that is what's going to determine the people that's in charge that police the right people and put the right people in place to protect you and make things better in your community. Not just sit up from a political standpoint in making money. No, think about the lives. Think about all of those sort of things, because one day it may happen to you, not necessarily you as the 
individual, but connected to you, Mm -hmm. your friend's child or your cousin or your uncle or niece or anybody like that. That's a family member that may be affected by what's going on in the streets. And I don't think people really realize that, you know, they just, they want to run from it and hide. The best thing to do is not talk about it and have uncomfortable conversations. The moment that we have uncomfortable conversations, it's getting, people get all razzled and, and then they want to try and tell you to be quiet. It's like you say black lives matter. People first thing they say is all lives matter. Uh, yeah, we understand that. You don't have to use that as a defense mechanism because you're afraid to tackle the tough questions. You know, enough is just enough, man. I, um, I'm so sick and tired of having these conversations. It feels like we're having them all the time until we're blue in the face. And it makes me more irate each and every time, Key. It just makes me more and more angry. And I, I, I live my life by empathizing with people and by trying to live my life for what's right and what's wrong. Just to provide everybody context, I grew up in New Jersey. You know, a lot of my friends were all different colors and races. And we would have these conversations all the time. Two of my really good friends are Filipino. One of my friends is African. One of my friends is Hispanic. And we have these conversations all the time about just doing what's right. Doing what's right. There's a difference between what's right and what's wrong. So what I would ask from a person that tries to empathize with people every day, that tries to find the, the, um, you know, the silver lining in the murky water, Like, I want all my Caucasian brothers to stand with us. This is a fight that we all need to have collectively together about doing what's right. If you empathize, if you listen, and we're going to talk about this later later with Roger Goodell when he references that he has an African-American nephew, right? If you have somebody who's of a different ethnic background in your family, take a second to ask them about what their experiences are. I just asked Zubin during the break. I said, hey, do you have these type of similar experiences? How are your experiences? Take a second, let your curiosity get the best of you, and try to relate to what somebody else is going through. And I ultimately have to recognize that my Caucasian friends would have a different upbringing or background than what I did. Same with my friends who are Latino. Same with my friends who are Asian. They see things differently, right? But I need to have those conversations with them to understand how it is different. And then when I understand them and I love them because they are my friends, now I'm on your team. So what I ask everybody to do is if you mess with me as a person, as a human being, somebody who's almost died and fights every single day to be a better version of myself, if you really if you really try to celebrate the life of Kobe Bryant, somebody that we saw that was flawed, but damn, he fought every day to be a better person, right? You saw that in his wife. You saw the struggles that they have, but how he tried to be a better father, how he tried to be a better husband. Let's all fight this fight together and let's stand and be on the right side of history. I know things are complex. I know that they have nuances, but we can't stand together collectively. Why do we have to be so tribal all the time? Why does everybody have to fight each other and, you know, have defense mechanisms and say, well, how about this or how about that? How can we just can't say, yo, I ride with you. Let's find an answer. Well, I just want us all to find an answer together. And everybody says, well, stand with your own, stand with this. We're the human race, people. The human race. We're Americans. Let's fight together. And be on the right side of history when it stands to what's happening in our country. Because what I saw yesterday, if he was reaching for a gun, if he was holding a knife, you don't have to shoot him seven times in the back. De-escalate the situation. De-tackle him. Even if you you shoot him in the leg, okay. He was reaching for a gun. Where's your bureau cam? Where's the body cam? Show me evidence. Let's all stand up for what's right. 
I think though when you you ask, I'm sorry, I just get I get so angry about it, Key. It's like no, how it's many times good. do we you, how many times do we have these conversations, man? And we have to find ways to build to build bridges between people. It's all it's all good. I think <laughs> though when you when you look at and you're asking people why certain things, they don't have the answers because they're scared and they don't want to have the conversations. It's very easy to hide behind your fears, mm-hmm. and there's nothing to be fearful of. There's really nothing, and you know me, Zubin. You, you, I, we feel like we've been together forever, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have a white wife, Lily White, as white as they can be, and I have biracial kids. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, when I'm walking with them or hanging out with them or whatever the case is, and people, and you know me, I'll say something to somebody. They look at us, and you know, they looking at us, and I'm like, everything's okay. We're fine. I didn't kidnap her. These are my kids. You don't have to worry about those sort of things because there's no need to be fearful. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm, it, we're not going to bite you. But for whatever reason, they feel that way. The police feels that way. That's why they shot a dude down like he was a dog in the streets. It's just so happened he's going to live to tell about it as of now and be able to give his side of the story when he comes to, they're not going to be able to be able to just say, well, this is what happened. No, he's going to have his day to speak about it. Something they probably was hoping wouldn't happen. Like you don't wake up and just decide, Oh, okay, well, I'm going to go pull somebody over. I'm going to do these sort of things. And, and I'm going to use my gun. Unless you've been thinking about that for a long damn time. Mm-hmm. And you know, what I got think? a lot, I got a lot of friends that are police officers, FBI, they, they, and that I deal with pretty much on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And I have no problem with them whatsoever. And we have communications, Jay, and they will tell me, say, man, that's what he wanted to do. Exactly. He's or a that's bad what dude. she wanted to He's do. He's a bad guy. And because we don't wake up like that. And last that's thing something I'll that's say been too, on our mind for a while. Last thing I say too, Key, you know, when everybody tries to use this, when some people try to use this argument, well, he was charged with a third degree sexual assault and he had domestic abuse. That doesn't mean that okay, so, to a death so warrant. Wait, so hold on. Death warrant? Does that <laughs> mean that what? He, does that mean he was just charged at that moment? Or does that mean that he had it in his past? So therefore, he should die because something happened in his past which warranted the police to look for him, even though he was trying to de-escalate a situation. That he should be gunned down like a pig in the streets? I still like when people try to use... Like, seriously? Well, well, here's like an what animal? Here's what your past history is. So now that we know this is your past history, and we all know how different labels come on people, how we do that easily <laughs> oh, in our man, society, so right? Funny. Quick to be like, if you were around somebody that stole something, like, oh, that's on your record now. But wait, I have nothing to do with it. I'm just saying the nuances of it, right? That still does not equate to a death warrant. So damn what? And I know we got a break here, Z. But so damn what? He had some troubles in his past. How many damn people in this world have troubles in their past that have gone on to be prosperous in their future? Let's stop it. Go Z before I say something and we get canceled on air. Seriously. I understand. 
Key weighing in as a father. LeBron is a father of Bronny James, Bryce, and his daughter Zuri. We're all fathers, man. You're a father. We forget about you, too. (laughs) We're all fathers over here. We'll hear from LeBron, the father, coming up in just a little bit because you used the word fearful, and he certainly is fearful for a lot of people. That's coming up. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance at Progressive. They're making things even easier. They'll help you bundle your home and car insurance together so you can save on both. Learn more at Progressive.com or 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. On the way, the NFLPA Executive Committee Vice President Sam Acho weighs in on Roger Goodell's latest comments on Colin Kaepernick. Very intriguing comments. Jay kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier and some of the familial relations with Goodell. That's all on the way. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Key is looking at Lower Manhattan Skyline on ESPN News. We are here. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin from the Seaport District at Pier 17. We are brought to you by Chase all of our guests appear on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line. Sam Acho, who is the NFLPA Executive Committee Vice President, will join us in a half minute. His brother, Emmanuel, has an incredible digital series called Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man. He had a two-part series with NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell, which aired Sunday and Monday. Here's the commish on people that live in this country scared every day. Seeing somebody living in that kind of fear is just not right. To have kids that can't go to the playground without thinking about fear and what can go wrong and what the color of their skin is and does that put them at risk we've got to fix that we've we've, we've got to make this world better because it's just not right and that was Goodell on the series Sunday and Monday Emmanuel Acho said it's the most authentic he had ever seen Roger Goodell, he said that to the Today Show, and it's a pleasure to welcome in his brother, the NFLPA Executive Committee Vice President, Sam Acho, inside Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin here on ESPN Radio and this morning on ESPN News. When you heard your brother ask that question and you heard the commish answer that question, in your role overseeing such a large group of players in the league, what did you think? Well, in all reality, Zub, and thank you all for having me, when I heard that response, it really just revealed the true character of Roger Goodell, the same character that I've been able to see over the last two plus years serving as vice president of the NFLPA. I've seen a man who has grown, who has changed, and who actually cares about things that people would never have thought he cared about. I see a man who's human. When you had the opportunity, obviously, to sit with Roger, communicate with Roger, then you heard 
your brother's interview with Roger and the apology to Colin Kaepernick from Roger. What did you make of that? Well, Keyshawn, and the interesting, interesting piece is people don't know this. Emmanuel actually asked me to reach out to Roger on his behalf for the interview. And so Roger and I have actually developed a relationship over the last few years and specifically the last few months based off of him reaching out to certain players, trying to make changes in the communities that he serves as, as commissioner over. Specifically in Chicago, I, he came out to an event I did. We turned a, a, food, a liquor store into a food mart. And I, he heard about what we were doing. He flew out from New York to Chicago just simply to participate in that event. And so when I heard the apology, I was not surprised in the least bit. As a matter of fact, I was more relieved and more excited because I think what we're seeing now, as he talked about in the interview, is a man who actually has changed positions. Many politicians, we see it now, many people, once they make a decision, they put their feet in the ground, they don't budge. But he actually has changed positions over the last several years. I think it's major, major growth. What, why do you think he has changed, though? What, why all of a sudden? I think a lot of the world has, if I'm being honest. Think about it. There's, there's, a, there's a group that lays their stake in the ground that I am, I am pro anything black or anything that has to do with, with black, black advancement, whether right or wrong. And there's another group that lays a stake in the ground that says, I am pro, whether it's talking about the Confederate flag, or I am pro my people or white people, and they put their stakes in the ground. And there's a larger group of people, I'll probably say 60 or so percent of people that say, man, I did not know what was going on. You saw in the interview, he said, I don't want people to live in that kind of fear. I think in 2016 and 2017, when Cap was taking a knee, I think Roger Goodell was in that 60 percent of people that said, man, I didn't know. And over the past several years, seeing George Floyd, Amart Arbery, Breonna Taylor, uh, even even yesterday, with, with the last few days with Jacob Blake, I think Roger Goodell and people like him are saying, man, I didn't know, and I want to help change change some of these uh, disturbing trends that we're seeing in our country. Sam, I need you to tell me why I am wrong here, okay? Because a part of me watching that interview when he when your brother asked him about the apology to Colin Kaepernick, I didn't hear a real apology, right? And you, you, you talk for a living with your job. Your brother talks for a living. Key and I talk for a living. We all know how to pivot very quickly. We all know how to dance or move a question around and answer the question without answering the question. Did he really apologize or was that more of a pivot? No, Jay, that's a great question. And as you, as you mentioned, we all know how to pivot for a living. But here's the interesting thing, and this is my direct answer to your question. When you watch the interview with Roger Goodell, Something interesting came up that I had a feeling it was true, but I did not know. When they asked, when my brother asked him about the apology, he said, his answer was very specific. He said, I did not ask any owner if I could do that. Remember, Roger Dale works for the owners. They pay him his salary. They can hire him and fire him on command, essentially. So when he made that apology, I actually reached out to one of the, the, uh, the chairman of the Chicago Bears, George McCaskey, he's a friend of mine. And he actually was one of the owners who says, hey, I, don't, I didn't know that was happening. That was his response. And so the fact that Roger Goodell came out and made the video, initially I thought the video was, was just for publicity and some owners probably wanted him to do it. But I learned something last night on the episode when he said, I did not ask an owner. I did that because it was the right thing to do. So for me, responding to the, 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 player, the, the video that the players made and not asking his ownership, his leadership, his bosses, for me, and, and him, him, I think that's an apology personally. I, I believe so. 
Sam, you mentioned uh, the Blake shooting in Wisconsin. What what did you make? What's your reaction to that? Like, what are you feeling right now? Yeah, honestly, Key, I'm, I'm, I'd love to say I hate that you asked me that question because I'm still processing. My friend, I'm still processing. I saw the video, and I could not watch. I could not look directly at and see these officers again shoot an unarmed black man as he walk into his car. With with and he's got his three kids in the car. I, I did not know how to feel. I was trying to process it last night. I was up really really late last night trying to process these emotions. I was sad, and that sadness quickly turned into anger. I have a five year old son, and 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 I, you know, he, he had a, a snack, and I said, let me get a bite of it. And, and I, I instead of giving taking a small bite, I took the whole thing. And and and, and, and he and he loves his food, right? And so as soon as I did that, he looked at me, and he started getting really really upset, right? Why 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 did you do that? That was my response. When I saw this video, it quickly turned from sadness to anger in the blink of an eye. I was sad. I was angry. And I still, as we speak, am trying to process what I saw and what I'm seeing. There's another video of a police officer who uh, went to some, the, the front porch of some African-American women. He had no business being there. It was private property. They were peacefully sitting on their front porch. And he aggressively uh, took one of, the, one of the young women. He tased her. And he, and he, and he tried to arrest her with no reasonable cause. I am sad. I am angry. I'm not confused. There's no confusion here. I've talked to many police officers. Some, some are uh, good is a, is a very variable word, but some have better morals than others. And some have said that what we're seeing right now has been, has been for lack of better terms, taught in the academy, especially when it comes to, to the shooting of, uh, uh, of, I'll just call them victims. Officers, some officers may not call them victims, right? You don't want to have a witness in, the, in those scenarios. You want to, Make sure that your story is the story that uh, that matters, mm-hmm. and then you want to have your police officer comrade continue to back up your story. It's it's almost like a team, quote unquote. We are family, right? And that and that's the part that really sickens me. It's the fact that officers won't. Some officers, not all, will not even admit the truth in the some of the racist poli- policies, the unwritten rules that still to this day exist in our police force. Yeah, and, I, and that's why I was saying earlier on the show that Jacob Blake hopefully will live to tell the story, his side of the story, Jay Will, and not let the police force tell it for him. Exactly. And, and Sam, you know, we watched George Hill, who plays for the Milwaukee Bucks, who's down in the bubble in Orlando, kind of come out and say, well, you know, we shouldn't even be here in the bubble for these exact reasons. What are your thoughts for players that are in the bubble? Do you think that their platforms are lessened due to the fact that they're in the bubbles, or do you think it's heightened? Without a doubt, I think I think the platform not only of the players in the bubbles are lessened, but the I think the platform of the message is lessened, not because players are in the bubble, but because that sports are still being played. I remember last night, right? I'm still mourning over George Blake. I'm looking at social media trying to excuse me over Jacob Blake. I'm looking at social media trying to still process and figure out. And then I saw on trending topics LeBron and the game. Well, what did LeBron do? Man, look, he put up 35 and eight. I myself was was getting distracted from the reality of what's happening to black people in America because sports are being played. And so, yes, the fact to answer your question, Jay will, the fact that sports are still being played now allows people same in that 60% and also people who still care to be distracted from the realities that we are facing in our country every single day. So a person in your position is what you're saying to NFL players. Would you suggest that we not have an NFL season? If you think that these type of things are just being glossed over due to the distraction of sports? What I would suggest is if, if for the players, 
who, not who cares, I think a lot of players care, but I, I think that there's an opportunity for players to do what Maya Moore did from the WNBA. If y'all remember, Maya Moore sat out an entire season, season plus, to go and seek the freedom of a man who was uh, unjustly incarcerated. And so do I think that the season should be canceled? In all reality, and you're not, you're not going to like this answer, but the players don't have that right right now for the CBA to sit out the season. If they did and if they could, that's a tough answer because some players, they need the, uh, the resources to be able to pay the bills to take care of their families, try and do something better for their families to get them, not only to get them out of the, out of the hood, right? I think to change the hood. I think that's what needs to happen. And so, no, I don't think the NFL season should be canceled, but I think that are, there are a few select players who can actually use their platform and not join the bubble or not, not, not start the season and speak out for those who can't speak out for themselves. But I don't think it has to be everybody. Let's twist to a little bit of football and fan base. How come uh, every team in the NFL doesn't have a uniform answer to the fan, att- fans attending games? Well, Keyshawn, that's a simple answer. Look at every state. Every state doesn't have a uniform answer to fans attending games. A lot of people, me included, thinks that it's a lot of, uh, there's a political motivation behind whether states will open or reopen. Look at some Republican or some Democrat states. A lot of them have uh, different answers. And I, I was actually not happy when I saw that Miami is planning on having fans in the stands. I remember being in Florida in March, and when COVID initially hit, I didn't really know what was going on. But that's when the, 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 the rise really started. I remember leaving, going back to Chicago. And as I'm leaving, there are people all, all over the beach, all over the pool. And two weeks later, I see news of what, what I saw on, on not only social media, but on national media. And so I think there should be a uniform policy for all teams. I don't think there should be any fans in stands initially, just like we're seeing this uniform policy for players and testing, right? Everyone's getting testing. I think that there should be no fans in the stands initially. I think there can be a reevaluation period in mid-October for different teams that they want to start allowing fans in little by little. But the fact that you see teams like Miami allowing fans in the stands, I think is the wrong decision, the wrong answer, uh, and the wrong response to what we're seeing with COVID. Sam, let me know when that next segment comes out between you and your brother, Emmanuel Acho, when you both sit down for an uncomfortable conversation with a black man. I want to hear that conversation between you two. Man, I will. I will. It's funny. A lot of people don't know this, but I'll share it with you all. When this ep- when his initial episode came out, it's got about 10 million views right now, the first episode, he actually called me. Emmanuel called me, and he told me he was thinking about doing something like this. And, he's, and, and Emmanuel has always been full of not only ideas, but always he's, he's had this desire to bring people to the table since he's been a little kid. And he had that conversation, and it was supposed to be with a, with a young white lady who we knew, and she backed out at the last minute, which actually ended up working out for this scenario. He had the conversation. He hadn't recorded it yet. And he said, hey, Sam, I think that we were made for this time. I said, what do you mean? He said, the fact that we were raised how we were raised, being black in America, but the fact that we've gotten exposed, exposure to a lot of white America with the school we went to, et cetera, that we've been exposed to, for lack of better terms, black America playing sports and going to the church we went to, we are made for this specific moment. This is an opportunity that we cannot pass by. That was episode one. And to see what has happened even to the most recent episode with Roger Goodell, when once again, we, he, he reached out. And, I, and like I said, I have a relationship with Roger. He said, hey, man, I could have my people reach out. But you and, he, you and Roger have a relationship. Could you reach out on my behalf? Right? And so a week or two after Roger Goodell showed up to my event in Chicago, this grand opening of this liquor store in the, in the south side on the west side of Chicago, I got turned to a food mart. I asked him, I said, hey, I know you've heard about my brother's episodes. Would you want to come? And he said, yes. 
And to see the power of these last few episodes, it reminded me that Emmanuel was right. Not only he, but Jay Will, you, Keyshawn, you, Zub, you, we are all made for this moment. We cannot let this moment pass by. We cannot look at Jacob Blake, look at George Floyd, look at Ahmaud Arbery, look at Breonna Taylor, and just go on with our day. It is no longer allowed. We know, we know better. We know better. And not only do we know better, but now the tides, including people like Roger Goodell, right, that's 60%, the tides have changed. It is now acceptable. That's why you see so many players protesting, taking a knee, wearing something on their jersey, speaking out in an interview. The tides have changed. So now is the time, if there ever was a time, there was a time, look at what Dr. King did in, in, six, in the 60s. Now is the time for us to use our platforms for good. That's what Emmanuel did. That's what I'm going to do. That's what each and every one of us need to do so that people will not continue to be distracted by sport. Hear, hear. Priority over pigskin. Extremely well said. Sam, thank you very much. The NFL season begins September 10th. Plenty to get to on and off the field before then. Really appreciate your perspective. Thanks, Thanks a lot, man. Thanks, brother. No, thank you all for having me. Booger McFarland is on the way to talk a little NFL, but first, here's SportsCenter. LeBron, money, 30-10 and 10 through three, fourth quarter, simply academic. Lakers over the Blazers by 20, they're up 3-1, they can seal it tomorrow, double dip in the West tonight, Utah and Denver will start it out. What will Luka do tonight for an encore against the Clippers? We'll find out. SportsCenter brought to you by AutoZone. AutoZone is more choices when it comes to getting what you need. Whether it's free same-day pickup in-store or curbside or free next-day delivery, they're always ready to help you get what you need fast and get back on the road. Restrictions apply. Get in the zone. AutoZone. Let's get back in the zone with Booger McFarland, ESPN Football analyst, it's great to have you here. But the tone of the morning, Booger, especially as an African-American athlete that has won the Super Bowl and has reached the pinnacle of your profession, it's not about football at the top. It's about Jacob Blake. We've been talking about it with every single guest this morning, and I would be remiss if I didn't ask you your thoughts on the situation. Well, uh, I, I think my sentiments are very uh, very in agreement with everyone else's. Like, it, it's time to stop. It, it, it's old. And quite frankly, as a black man with two kids living in America in 2020, I'm just tired of talking about it. And I, I think, you know, we can come up with all kinds of different um, examples and we can show over and over. But at some point, it's time to stop killing unarmed black men. And I think that, you know, the, the more we discuss it, and the more we talk about it, we hope that it's going to bring uh, or, or share some light on it. But I'm just wondering, like, how much more or how many more lights do we need to shine on it? You know, at, at one point in time, Z, it was, well, we, you know, the video is powerful. We're seeing video now, and it's like it still keeps happening. So I'm tired of talking about it. I'm hoping it'll change soon, and, and I'm hoping that all of us as, as men – who have an opportunity on platforms to shed light on it, continue to do that because that's the only way I think that hopefully it'll change. What's up, big fella? How you doing? What's going on, Key? Man, the same same thing, different day. Uh, your former coach, Nick Saban, as you covered college football for many years, is saying that he is motivated to play basically because of the players. The players, he want to see them get on the field for their sake. What do you think the real motivation behind getting back on the college football field is? Well, I don't doubt that Nick Saban understands that, you know, these kids, uh, 
quote unquote need to play just because we all know a lot of these boys come to school and looking to play college football that way it, it can be an avenue to the NFL. But I think that reason is superseded by the reason a lot of the athletic directors and the presidents want to play, which is that football is basically funding a lot of universities. And so I don't doubt that Nick Saban has the best interest of these kids in mind because a, a lot of the t- top college coaches, they get their jobs and they recruit well because of the relationships they build with these kids. And so I, I don't doubt that. But I think the overarching reason for everything going on is that there's money involved. Because think about this, Key. If there was no money involved, the most simplistic thing to do would be, see, you know what, until we get this vaccine, until we get COVID under control, let's just not play sports. These are amateur athletes. This is not professional athletes. Let's just shut this down for right now and come back in the spring and try it again. But we're not doing that because of the financial aspects of this. And I think it's something that we don't want to talk about, but it's something that's definitely prevalent out there. Uh, right now, how confident are you, though, in college football starting and being a, having a successful season? I think college is going to start. Um, I think the SEC, you know, everyone always talks about the SEC saying it just means more. Uh, well, the SEC is going to show you it means more because come hell or high water, they're going to play football. <laughs> uh, you know, the, the ACC and Dabo, uh, they fancy themselves as kind of a poor man's SEC, so they're going to follow whatever the SEC does. And, and, and the Big 12 is just, uh, you know, nothing against Bob Bowlesby and, and everyone there, but they're going to do what the other two conferences do. So I think all three of those will start. How they finish, Key, will determine um, will be determined based on what happens with COVID and the outbreaks. But I do think something to watch is now that the students are back and you're getting – outbreaks on these college campuses. How do the presidents handle that? What, what's the tolerance of the presidents at these universities? I, I read a report this morning where Alabama had 600 new cases uh, on campus. So what's the tolerance for the presidents and, and their liability as far as COVID on their campus? That's going to be something to watch over the next couple of weeks. Booker, there's this political strategy that says, you know, the more chaotic I can make an environment, the more influx of volume of chaos I can put on people, the less you for less you retain what happened the day before. What happened to We Are United? Where is that? And, and where does this even how does that even factor into what's actually happening this year? Well, you, you know, Jay, there's a lot of layers to that as far as we are united. Um, I mean, most of the time in America, we are united as long as it benefits the people who are being united together. You know, the moment that it stops benefiting one of the pieces, then that piece uh, becomes less united. And no matter what uh, circumstances or what subject you're dealing with, you can use that formula. We're all united until it doesn't benefit me. Then I got to go do my own thing because you always know I got to watch my back because nobody's going to watch it like me, for me, but me. And so I think what you're going to see is is you're going to see people, entities, groups, whatever it is, try to be united and try to stay together. Uh, as long as it benefits all them. But in the end, we have to look out for ourselves as, in, as, as individuals. Uh, conferences collectively have to look out for themselves. Uh, entities like the NBA going down to Orlando during their bubble have to look out for themselves. And so I, I just think that, you know, regardless of what subject we are speaking of, we all are united until it doesn't benefit us, and then we have to go do our own thing. Boog, when do you think the Big Ten parents should stop trying to pressure the conference to have a season? Uh, Now, and first and foremost, Key, I I think the Big Ten parents are pressuring the wrong person. 
Like, it's really been bothering me watching the Big Ten parents throw Kevin Warren's name under the bus and just run him over. And I get it. Kevin Warren could have did a better job of um, delivering the message and communicating the message about the season. But let's stop. Let's stop acting like Kevin Warren made the decision to not play football. Kevin Warren is the mouthpiece for the president in the Big Ten. Nothing more, nothing less. He's the commissioner. He's no different than Roger Goodell in the NFL. Roger Goodell's job is to do what the 31 owners plus the Green Bay Packers say. That's his job. So when you people say, well, Roger Goodell made this decision, okay, he can make a couple decisions, but the league is ran by the 31 owners plus the Packers and the Board of Governors there. And so Kevin Warren is only doing what the president say. But every talking head around the country says, well, Kevin Warren canceled the Big Ten. No, he didn't. Kevin Warren just delivered what the president told him to do. And so it's kind of really been bothering me that all the parents are taking their anger out on Kevin Warren. Um, I think the Big Ten parents need to go ask their presidents at each individual school, how did you vote? Especially at Michigan. Michigan's president is an epidemiologist. I'm not going to pretend to know what that means, but that's somebody <laughs> smart in medicine. Okay? So here's the guy who, who, who is, is a world-renowned medical doctor. I would love to know what he voted. Because a lot of people in, in the Big Ten are blaming Kevin Warren. And at the end of the day, I don't think Kevin Warren made the decision. And it's kind of really been bothering me how they've been dragging his name through the mud ever since the decision has been made. It's well said. 14 people made a decision and Kevin Warren executed their vision. Booger, thank you so much. Love the passion this morning. Anytime, man. Congrats on the new show. Hey, Key, let Jay Will talk a little bit more, man. Come man, on. shut you, boy. You always, I, I knew he was going to say something. You see, Booger, see how he responds to you? Fat head. See how angry he gets so because quick. Because I knew he was going to say something. I played with Booger. Booger, my guy, now. Man, Key got some aggression issues, Booger. You know, he's uh, working on hey, it. Hey, congrats, fella. Sounded good, man. All right. Thanks, brother. I knew I knew Booger was going to say something. <laughs> he always got something to say. Thanks, Booger. Got a couple Super Bowl champions together. You never know what happens. Booger joined us on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line, brought to you by Shell. Shell V Power Nitro Plus Premium Gasoline. Still to come, the NBA's oldest coach at 71 in the age of the coronavirus, moving to the most densely populated area in America to rebuild after winning five titles. Jay will tell us why it's not as crazy as it sounds. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com.
Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Go, let's go. We're at the South Street Seaport. You're watching on ESPN News. Looks like a great day. Key and Jay are rocking out this morning. Until you go outside. (laughs) It's a great day until you get in that heat, man. Walk a block and... And oh. you got a sweater on. August in New York City. <laughs> With a sweater. You've been With here the sweater. last seven days. What are you surprised by? No, that? but I'm <laughs> saying when you have to walk to your vehicle and just imagine that heat. Let me take you inside real quick. Key Park's like right next to the Shh, studio. Be quiet, man. I got to walk across the street two blocks. So I gotta, if I was parked right next to the studio, I'd be all good. I got a note this morning from Justin. He's like, you know, he's our producer on the show. He's like, hey, look, man, you can't park there anymore. I'm like, wait, what are, what are you talking about? That's where, I, that's where Key and I park every day. <laughs> I have nothing to do with the parking at all. Do I look like a valet or anything like that? No, I don't. <laughs> so I don't know. What I just guy, park. What, what does a valet I, look like? A guy that takes your keys and parks <laughs> your car. So I don't know where people park their cars at. Let's quickly park the discussion on Pop here, right? Five titles with the Spurs. Great overall resume. Has been terrific. Maybe wants to leave it in the wings for Becky Hammond. Maybe it's time to do something else. And Jay, there have been some rumors here, some chatter in the last 24 to 48 hours that the the Nets are interested and you have some very interesting intel for our audience. Well, I know it's very interesting intel, but you know, I have had a conversation with Sean Marks and I kind of floated the name Greg Popovich out there and he kind of laughed at it and said, you know, let, let's talk about things that are reasonable. But if you're a Brooklyn Nets fan, let's be factual about this. You have two entities on this team in Katie and Kyrie which the one question people have for next year is, wh- how is this roller coaster ride going to go? Obviously, there's a lot of talk that things have happened with Kyrie and things of that sort. So who are the best coaching candidates out there for these two individuals? I would say 1A, Greg Popovich, 1B, Ty Lue. That's it. Short list. That is it. Maybe Mark Jackson – but I don't know how people feel about Mark Jackson considering his time with Golden State. I've been hearing mixed reviews on that. I like Mark Jackson. I think he may be able to handle that. But obviously, Ty Lue handling the relationship between uh, between LeBron James and Kyrie has a relationship with Kyrie. Um, I think he can help there. But Greg Popovich, if you're thinking about passing the baton, you pass it to Becky Hammond, and then you come to Brooklyn for one last hurrah. If that's the case, I don't know how much long Papa wants to coach. But the opportunity to coach Kevin Durant and Kyrie, if there was one person that without regard they would listen to, hands down, that would be a guy who is one of the greatest coaches to ever coach the game, who has won five championships and has won multiple Coaches of the Year award. It seems like he would be the one 
feasible choice for this organization. Keyshawn, J. Will Zoom. Was I talking a lot? I'm sorry. <laughs> Reminding you to listen to ESPN Audio at home via your smart speaker. ESPN Audio at home brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Vans. Drive a Mercedes-Benz van and find out how far an extra mile really goes from customization and service to financial assistance. Mercedes-Benz Vans are ready for anything. All of our guests are on the Shell Pennzoil performance line, including a visit to Cleveland to check in with our Browns reporter, Jake Trotter, on a make-or-break year for Baker Mayfield. Quick thoughts on Pop? I think I think when you start talking about Pop going to Brooklyn, makes a lot of sense, but it makes more sense to give Mark Jackson a run at it because you sometimes learn from your mistakes in the past. And when you look at it, he deserves an opportunity, I believe, to be coaching in the NBA. I know there's a lot of scuttlebuttle about what his relationship was in the front office in Oakland. And then there's Ty Lue. But Ty Lue's going to have a lot of options. No question. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. And that's really one of the great mysteries in the NBA because among the NBA player constituency, Mark Jackson is one of the most popular guys out there, whether you're a fellow coach assistant or a broadcaster. We'll see if this is the year he gets back in. And even Van Gundy, under the right circumstances, might get himself back in. Still to come, Lakers roll during the game. But it's what LeBron said post-game that everyone's talking about. That's at the top of it. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. You can hear the show live weekdays at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio, ESPN News, or wherever you stream your audio. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.